0: On this week's episode, we are joined by Ed Jackson. Ed is an English former professional rugby player who in 2017 suffered a severe injury, leaving him paralysed. We talk all things travel and about how he isn't letting his disability stop him from exploring as many places as he can. Hiya. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm all right. thank you how
0: are you? Yeah good thank you. From your Instagram you can tell that you're very into the outdoor kind of world and for people that don't know you had an accident um, and told that you wouldn't be able to walk again is that correct?
1: Yeah so I broke my neck in 2017 um, which has left me with a spinal cord injury so I am still disabled. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got something called brown card syndrome which gives uh, means the left hand side of my body the motor function doesn't work very well in the right hand side of my body the sense the sense, the sort of sensation doesn't work very well and it brings a lot of other medical issues along with having a spinal cord injury but yeah I was told I wasn't going to walk again so um and I was in a wheel, I was in hospital for about four months in a wheelchair for about a year um so I've been very lucky that I am hobbling around um at the moment um but yeah I love to get outdoors always always liked to before in my previous life I was a professional rugby player and and you know I always like to sort of travel and and go walking and get in the hills and all of those sorts of things so I'm just really feel really lucky that I'm still able to do that although it's uh, there's a few more complications or barriers to get past first uh, these days
0: yeah and what do you enjoy the most about traveling
1: um I suppose like it's kind of been in my blood. I've been very lucky like the way it, when I was brought up that my parents loved traveling and they would always take us. We weren't the type of family who would always go back to the same holiday destination every year. It was like, right, you're coming to a different country. You're learning about the culture. We are dragging you around cathedrals and museums and you do it kicking and screaming as like a 10 or 12 year old. But it's definitely sort of instilled that, that sort of curiosity in me. And 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 I think... I loved experiencing different cultures and sort of getting outside of my comfort zone, if you like. Um, and that, and and that's probably come from just being, you know, being made to do it. If you like when we were, when we were, or being lucky enough to do it when we were younger. Um, and it's something that stayed with me and, and now, um, I mean, obviously it's been very tough to travel the last, the last year, but even so we were lucky enough to get out to the Alps, um, to Italy, to do some climbs and, um, I run a charity which takes people away sort of to different parts of the world to sort of go climbing and go on adventures. And I I just sort of got so much of it. I I get so much from it, from doing those sorts of things, that um, I wanted to be able to give other people the opportunity to experience it as well. Because obviously there's barriers to entry for travelling around the world. And, um, you know, one of them obviously being uh, cost. um, But and, and also accessibility, you know, a lot of the people that we take away, Um, are struggling struggling with disabilities as well and it's just giving people the confidence that they can still get out there and travel and people are there to help and even when you go to different countries I know it can be quite daunting but just having the confidence to ask for that help and go for it and realising that it does just because you know you're not as able-bodied as you were before or you are in the right headspace as you were before it doesn't mean that travelling is all of a sudden off the cards because for some reason it seems to be the first thing that Goes out the window. Whether you're struggling physically or mentally, you tend to yeah. just sort of re- recede back into your into your comfort zone and your house, if you like.
0: Yeah. So, what was the main reason for you wanting to set up the charity? Was it because of your kind of lived experience, and you felt that you wanted to give people that opportunity?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was. Um, I it had been a year since my accident, and um, I was in a position where um, I wanted to get out and do something to help repay the charities that supported me but also inspire other people who had been given a guarded or negative prognosis like I had that maybe these things were possible so I chose to climb Snowdon um, in Wales the highest mountain in Wales um, and my physios thought I was mad they thought I was intending on doing it the following year but i kind of said let to go for it you know i'd got to that point where you know i'd been i'd been resuscitated 3 times you know i kind of thought my life was over to a certain extent and now it was like well you know life's too short let's get out there and try these things we didn't i didn't know if i'd get to the top or not but i did it took 9 hours and um I opened it up on social media to whoever wanted to come and join in and amazingly sort of 70 people turned up on the start line that I didn't even know um just to come and support but also there for their own reasons you know they were going through something and they wanted to do something for a good cause and then I just sort of thought there's something in this you know I stood on top of the mountain on top of Snowden and that whole year of what I've been through sort of and and what my whole family and support network had been through came flooding back and I thought well there's something here, and and I really started really started to heal, heal me mentally, you know, not just the outdoors, but achieving something outside of my comfort zone and helping other impacting other people in a positive way. And at the time, I was taking on these challenges for I moved on and then went to the Alps to climb another mountain, and I was taking on these challenges for people back home and raising money for other charities. But I thought actually I was noticing how much difference it was making to myself and. Yeah mentally and to other people that were coming and joining in just to do the fundraising and I thought actually the real power is getting the people here to take these on themselves Um, so that's what the charity does we take people who are in sort of a tough mental health space because of um, something that's happened in their life like a trauma whether that be so last year we take um, some people with PTSD or it might be depression or it might be a bereavement whatever it is And using that sort of outdoor experience and getting out of your comfort zone and that sense of adventure to be the catalyst for sort of change, if you like, and then putting a program in place for the next one to three years to help fund courses, training, whatever they want to do to get their lives back on track. Because, yeah, because you're right, it was my lived experience. It was what I was lucky enough to be in a position to do and to realize. And now I just want to sort of help offer that to others.
0: Yeah, and it's so inspiring. I mean, it's brilliant. And I think as well, with traveling, you always then have that sudden urge to do more. So being able to give people these opportunities, they'll go away from that experience, be like, okay, well, I've done that. What could my next challenge be? And kind of setting your yeah. kind of goals.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was so lucky to be able to go. That's what happened with me as well. I went to the Alps and I used to love traveling anyway. So it wasn't like a new thing for me, but it was realizing that hey, I can still do this even though like I went I went to New York and I was still fully wheelchair bound and I got there and I was like it was you know, I was scared. I wasn't used to being in a wheelchair. I was like how does this work in a big bustling city like New York, you know, crossing the roads, absolute carnage and and when I got there, I realized, you know, people like it's OK. You can go in the big black SUVs um, and they'll put the, your wheelchair in the back. And I got there and I was like, you know what, sod it. I'm just going to go for it and live this life like a wheelchair user. And, and I'm so glad I did because it gave me a completely new sense of perspective on how lucky I am to be able to just step over a curb now and how difficult it can be. For wheelchair users but also like so I insisted on using the subway and all of these sorts of things and obviously my wife's with me panicking like (laughs) you don't even know how to use a wheelchair properly and you'd probably get lost on the tube when you're able-bodied in London but I was like no let's go for it um and you know you're asking people to help and they'll help lift you off the train and 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 I ended up you know just coming back and realizing you know what this doesn't have to stop my life I can go back to enjoying traveling and 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 actually just because it's more difficult actually can make it even more rewarding and I was lucky lucky enough then to be asked to go to Nepal which is somewhere I've always wanted to go but never sort of had the time in in around my career playing sport um, to get to and uh, I, I went out there to just try and help raise awareness for, for a spinal unit over there and I just completely fell in love with the country and and most of that was to do with, obviously, I love the outdoors and, you know, you can get a country that sort of more lends itself to outdoor lifestyle. But it was the people, you know, the people and the culture and just how amazing they were and the fact that they didn't want for anything and they were so happy. So you're walking through these villages or, you know, rolling through these villages in a wheelchair and it's like they've got nothing. You know, they're subsist- they live a subsistence life. And they're all so much happier than anyone, any of us back home with all of these things, you know, yeah. that we think bring us happiness. And I think that's a really powerful thing about traveling is the cultures you immerse yourself in. It's not necessarily what you go and see or do. It's the people you meet. And that can give you a, an immense sense of perspective when you come home from places like that. So again, again, that's, the you know, what I want to be able to do is take people to experience those those things and those cultures and then they will come home and feel luckier about the situation they're in and maybe it will help reframe their own life in a more positive way
0: yeah definitely that's amazing so where would you say is the best place that you've been to I mean, it's, it, that's a really hard question all the time. And it's so hard to pin down just one place. So feel free to give a few options if you want.
1: To. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? I, I'm I'm very lucky to have, have been to a lot of places. I mean, I love Europe. Um, I think we're so lucky to have it on our doorstep because of, how diverse it is and um Italy is one of my favorite countries in the world I actually got ended up getting married there because
0: oh, it wasn't
1: to an it w- wasn't to an Italian lady it was uh <laughs> but but we I went I, I played rugby with an Italian guy in the UK and we went over to his wedding about sort of 10 years ago or so eight years ago and me and my wife fell in love with the country we decided to make a trip out of it so we rented a little fiat and just traveled around Tuscany we didn't book anywhere we just were, ended up staying with locals and um in local b&bs and a lot of the time they couldn't even speak english but you end up sat down around their dinner table with their whole family and <laughs> again it was just the whole the culture and we ended up going back every year to the point where we found this li- little vineyard and we were like if we ever get married we should do it here it wasn't even a wedding venue but we managed to persuade them to do it so Italy's got a very special place in my heart for all of those reasons but i have to say that um yeah nepal's nepal's my favorite country in the world i think it's um uh, it's, I mean, a one of the most beautiful countries you'll you'll ever go to, but b the people there are are incredible, and it's got the 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 range of Kathmandu, which is like so full on, it's yeah. just an assault on the senses, it's just absolute carnage, and then two days later you might be up in the foothills of the Himalayas, you know, um, just in with complete peace and serenity, and um it's just uh it, it's an incredible country and one where actually I ended up coming back I, I ended up coming back last year my wife always tells me off for uh, you know the whole um, life's too short thing is probably I take a bit too far these days <laughs> but she, I came back part owner of a trekking company so I now have helped one of our guides set up his own trekking company in Kathmandu so it's basically it's an excuse for me to go back at least once every year
0: Definitely. I bet, I bet yeah. now your wife's like, okay, you're going on, you're going away, please don't come back with another company. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's too late. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I can, well, the thing is I can call it work now. However, I don't take a penny from it. You know, I've set it up for him, but I don't tell her that I just yeah. say it's a work trip.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. And would you say you are more a city person or would you prefer being kind of rural? or do you like a
1: bit of both um do you not do not I really like I do really like a bit of both yeah. um I, I'm definitely not I'm not a lie on the beach person I get very restless you yeah. know I love amazing beaches you know but I'd be the one who'd be off trying to f- go fishing and you know while whilst my wife happily sort of drinks pina colada and reads her book but that's <laughs> fine so if we do the beach holidays obviously you've got to you've got to you've got to compromise sometimes and and you know we'll just make sure it's a beach that also has a lot of activities going on, on the, in behind whether it be yeah. in the mountains or whatever um and I love the countryside too but there's some of some of my favorite um destinations in the world that are cities you know Rome, Florence, Paris um and that, and that I think that comes back to the fact I, I was dragged around museums and <laughs> cathedrals as a youngster so um there, and, and those cities are obviously packed full of history, which, uh, which I sort of take quite a lot of interest in. In fact, my wife calls me granddad all the time because I'm constantly reeling off facts to her as we walk around these places.
0: <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> but I think it's like you said, though, as a kid, you don't appreciate the places that you go to and then you can go back and then really reimmerse yourself back into that whole culture and really take it in properly as an adult. I think, yeah, I was quite fortunate that I was able to go to some great places. And now, to this day, my parents are like, yeah, but whenever we bring up that trip, you just can't remember it. So what was the point? And I'm like, no, it was brilliant, because I can kind of look at the photographs and remember it. And just how lucky to be able to say, oh, we went to that country and we were able to... Kind of take in that experience, really.
1: Yeah, and I think it sticks with you, like whether you know it or not. As a kid, it clearly does, because otherwise I wouldn't have this sort of, you know, this this not it's not an obsession, but you know, this passion for those sorts of things now. And I remember, and I think I haven't got kids yet. You know, one day hopefully I will, but and and I will make them do go go and do those things (laughs) because I'm really grateful that my parents did make me go and do those things now because. If you're stood in Rome, for example, and you're looking at the Colosseum, if you can get your head around actually how old that is and what it must have taken to build it or the pyramids, for example, then it is 10 times more impressive. You know, if you're just like, oh, it's just another big stone building, which is what you think when you're a kid. Yeah, it completely changes the way that you look at the world around you and wherever you are, especially in with history and understanding cultures. And it just makes traveling 10 times more interesting, I think
0: definitely yeah and you've spoken briefly about um the charity that you work for if people are interested in kind of finding out about the challenges where can we direct people to
1: yeah so it's um it's called millimetres to mountains so millimetres to mountains.org with with the number two in the middle um is the website or all the social handles um at millimetres to mountains or again through any of my social handles it's all pretty interlinked it's at at ed jackson eight um yeah all the information's there and and obviously we have we take beneficiaries away on these trips but we also take fundraisers away so there's like a split between the people that are going on the trip so if people fancy an adventure so this year we're off to the alps twice we're going to iceland we're going to back to nepal Um, we've 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 even got a a walk a coastal coast walk two week coast walk in Cornwall just really trying to just waiting for the world to wake up again and then letting people go and get back out and explore but every year we'll be running trips like that so if anyone fancies an adventure then uh, feel free to get in touch
0: yeah that's brilliant and you you spoke about how you know the trip for you going to Snowden was really good for your mental health. Did you find that you struggled with mental health before your accident or did it kind of come as after the diagnosis?
1: Um, No, I was, I, I was pretty lucky to not, not have struggled with mental health before. I mean, I, I was, I've had, I had some rough periods like everyone does. I think, um, mental health is obviously a very broad top in a very broad sort of title and everyone has levels of mental health whether it be good or bad mental health you know and um when I was younger I was very lucky that I went into I had my dream job you know I left school and became a professional rugby player and yes we had to deal with injuries and selection issues but in the scheme of things you know I I was living a great life and and one that I'd always dreamt of and then Obviously when the accident happened, that was all taken away and, and my yeah. all of my sort of identity was wrapped up in being a rugby player and all of a sudden I couldn't even move my body. So it was like, wow. And that, that hit me hard. And it was it was I had some very dark periods for, a, for, for for quite a long time. And I experienced what it was like to go through mental health struggles and and then had a real and and developed a real compassion for it. I think mm-hmm. that I didn't have before because I hadn't really felt it before and be impacted it by it before and now now I'm in a better headspace than I ever have been which is kind of a strange thing to say considering I am still disabled and I was professional sportsman but I think the whole perspective element um, has had a massive impact on my life and realizing how lucky I am to just be able to walk down the stairs never mind go to Nepal and places like that and once your base level changes of your expectations and all of those sorts of things and you start to notice all those things you used to take for granted like your friends and your family and and the fact you can get on a plane and go somewhere and um it means you you're generally happier from day to day so that's definitely the space the the headspace that I'm in now and um and the mental health side of things was during that process you know whilst I was recovering and that uncertainty and the anxiety about anxiety about where I was going to end up you know was I going to was I going to be able to walk again was I going to be able to you know how far down the road was I going to get and I still have a lot of medical issues whether it be underlying health conditions that limit what I do Um, and I've been on that journey of recovery and during that journey of recovery the outdoors and traveling Helped me heal in the sense it made me, gave me some purpose again. It gave made me, made me feel useful. It put me in a position where I could overcome challenges and climb mountains or not climb mountains, you know, not get to the top of them is just uh, as an, an amazing experience, but also do it with other people and that sort of community that we've developed through the charity and everyone pulling in the same direction, people opening up to each other. It's been, um, it's been amazingly rewarding for me and, and it's helped me hugely with my mental health to a point back to, to a point now where I'm in, I'm in a great space, but I'm now I want to help people yeah. on that same journey that I've been through.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. So to round things up, where is on your bucket list? I'm sure you have so many kind of challenges you've now set yourself, but where would you say is the ideal place you'd love to go to?
1: Um, so travelling-wise, is definitely, I think, South America now. So I've never, I've never been to South America. Um, I've had a lot of friends I've played rugby with from Argentina. Um, I'd love to go to Argentina, Chile, Peru, and ultimately Patagonia. Um, I love fly fishing. I've been all over the world fly fishing with my dad. I um, go to Canada a lot. And yeah. in Patagonia, it's supposed to be a bit of a mecca for it. So um mountains red wine steak and fly fishing for giant sea trout I mean that sounds right up my street in fact (laughs) we were supposed to go that we were supposed to go earlier this year um I I was going to go for a month and climb a mountain called Akankagua over there and then travel on to New Zealand afterwards oh
0: wow
1: um for a wedding but it all got cancelled um but I've got the itinerary and I think I'm just going to replicate it as soon as possible um (laughs) What what about yourself? Where's you? Where's
0: your, uh, oh, you know what? List? You know, funnily enough, South America is on my bucket list as well. Like I November time, I was looking to go to Peru and you know do Machu Picchu, but I haven't got around to doing that at the moment. I'm doing one of those virtual marathon challenges on my phone, so I feel like I'm doing it. Um, it's not quite yeah. the same with this weather though. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah I'd say probably there and also I'd love to try Japan and China because I haven't been to those um, and I, I th- I'm i not sure how I feel about all the hustle bustle of the cities because I think I will find that really stressful but it's an experience you kind of have to do kind of once in your yeah. lifetime and then I'd prefer to kind of then go and explore the rural parts.
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah, no, I'm. I'm, I Japan was definitely on my bucket list as well, but hopefully, I'm going there this year
0: um, for the
1: Paralymp. Yeah, to um, to present on the Paralympics. So, fingers crossed, it all goes ahead. But I think it will do. But yeah, it's definitely a country I'd love to see too.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you.
1: No, absolute pleasure. Great to chat.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to the Travel Minded podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Travel Minded the Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Justice Abroad.
2: Justice Abroad was founded in 2019 and is led by myself, Michael Polak, a trained barrister and expert in international law and assistance. Justice Abroad operates to ensure that people who travel overseas for work or pleasure can be confident that if anything goes wrong, there'll be someone ready to help them. We are seeing an increasing number of cases across the world where people find themselves in trouble and we've been asked to assist. Justice Abroad has a team of top investigators, lawyers around the world and support staff available to provide unparalleled support. Many people when traveling have an attitude of, it'll never happen to me and then when something does go wrong they feel helpless with nowhere to turn. Anyone traveling for any purpose should be aware of the issues that could arise and be prepared to get in touch with us should something go wrong. We currently have cases in Greece, China, Thailand, Somalia, Myanmar, Cyprus, Spain, Vietnam, and many other countries around the globe. The increased number of cases which are coming to us proves how frequently travellers can find themselves in trouble, often as a victim of crime or accused of offences they did not commit. Usually, travel insurance will not cover you for assistance and advice with legal problems overseas, and even where they do, the assistance can prove ineffectual and not practical. At Justice Abroad, we have an extremely hands-on approach allows our clients to feel assured that we will deal with every aspect of their situation and ensure they have the best possible outcome we're just as abroad and we're here when you need us